Thank God for the NFL free agency. In a time where we got no sports, we got nothing to talk about, nothing to watch, nothing to do, nothing at all. Coronavirus is changing everything. Nothing is the same. Then steps in NFL free agency. Thank God that they are going on time. And I got to say, I've never experienced a free agency quite like this. Quarterbacks going all over the place. Just big names everywhere. Ridiculous trades happening. Giants are getting their foot, their feet wet. Let's see. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. We got a lot of things to talk about. Let's go. Nation. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the next installment of the Big Blue Pinstripes podcast. I am Joe Butter. I am the host of the show. As I tease in the beginning, it's free agency time, and thank the sweet Lord it is because outside of the NFL, we got nothing going on in the sports world, nothing at all, except more people testing positive for coronavirus, and nobody wants that. So thank you, NFL, for kind of going as scheduled. Obviously, things are a little little different. Uh, nobody's flying in to do physicals. Nobody's flying in for face-to-face meetings. Um, the draft is going to be held on time, but there's not going to be any fans. Shit's going to be different, but at least it's going. Uh, gives us something to talk about. And, I mean, I got to say, one, of, one, of, one thing that I never, ever, ever thought that I would see would be Tom Brady in a, in a different uniform. And, God, I've, I've seen a picture of him in his new uniform, and it looks absolutely ridiculous. It really looks ridiculous. I can't imagine what it's going to look like seeing him play on another team next year. Something I never thought happened. Uh, I mean, I grew up a big Derek Jeter fan, obviously, as most kids my age did that were Yankee fans were just baseball fans in general. And, you know, I couldn't imagine seeing Derek Jeter wearing another uniform. I couldn't imagine seeing Derek Jeter on a team where it actually said Jeter on the back of his shirt. Couldn't imagine it. Um, it's going to be weird seeing Tom Brady like that, but here we are. It's 2020. Shit's hitting the fan. I mean, this this year, this is the year for Tom Brady to go to another team. I mean, nothing is normal. People are dying all over the world. Um, everybody's stuck in their house for weeks because there's a deadly disease going around and nobody can control it. And nobody knows who the fuck has it. This is the perfect year for Tom Brady to be in a different uniform. I mean, everything is changing, so might as well change that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's get into it. I'm, I want to start with the Giants, obviously, because this is a Giants podcast, but there wasn't enough to make a full episode. So I figured we'd do half Giants and half just NFL because I mean, fuck it. We got nothing else to talk about. So might as well talk about some football. Um, so the big move the Giants made, um, I kind of talked about it a little bit in the last episode, Leonard Williams was tagged, um, kind of had to be done because they traded two draft picks for him in a lost season. Uh, for half a season and they traded for a rental that wasn't going to help them do anything that they weren't winning anything. They weren't going to the playoffs. They weren't making a run at anything at all, except for the number one pick. So that trade in the first place looked ridiculous unless they signed him, obviously couldn't come to an agreement. So they decided to tag him still gives them time. That 16 million looks bad at the moment, but it could change. I mean, they could come to an agreement. They got a, they got a four month window now to come to a long term agreement with him. Hopefully, they do that. If that happens, then that trade doesn't look as bad. If he plays one year on a sixteen million dollar tag 
and leaves, then that trade looks ridiculous because there's third round talent. There's some value in this draft in the third round. So that third round pick could have been big, especially as early as you're picking. Um, it's virtually a, a late second. So giving up that pick is big. You got to sign this guy. Um, talked a little bit about that last week, so I don't want to go too deep into it uh, other than the fact that I'm glad they did it. I mean, it's better that than to just let him go entirely. Give yourself a window to sign him and, you know, hopefully they get something done. The, the big moves that they made this free agency specifically, James Bradbury, uh, cornerback, formerly the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, there was talk about him coming here because of the familiarity with Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman drafted him uh, when he was with Carolina in 2016, and he's been good. I mean, he has been good. His It's not like he's, you know, knocking the door on all pro teams. He's not, you know, the best at his position, but he is very good. Um, and his numbers against the, the best receivers in the NFL are good. I mean, he plays in a division where he had to cover Mike Thomas and Mike Evans, you know, four out of the 16 games. So, like, he's got a track record. Last year specifically, played Mike Evans twice, total of 10 catches, 140 yards. Mike Evans can do that any given week. So you do that over the course of two games, that's pretty good. And it was only on 19 targets. So you held him to a 50% catch ratio. That's pretty damn good. Um, he he went up against DeAndre Hopkins, three catches, 27 yards. Okay. Mike Thomas, uh, a total of five catches, 51 yards. That was only in one game because uh, they played him in week 17. Week 17, New Orleans wasn't playing their big guns. Um, but that was the only star receiver to catch a touchdown on him. Played Julio Jones. Oh, and I forgot Julio Jones is the other guy. So six of his 16 games are Julio Jones, Mike Thomas, and Mike Evans. So Julio Jones totaled six catches, 94 yards. It's just like he played well. He played well. I mean, it's there's no other way around it. He's a good player. Say what you want about the price. Um, three years, $45 million. 45 a year, uh, 15 a year. I mean, that's it's market value. I mean, what are you going to do? Byron Jones got, I think, 17 and a half annually. I mean, that's that's the value. That's the way it works. So it's not like it's not like they paid him that much money. They went to the table and said, "Look, we're going to pay you 15 million, but the next offer would have been eight. It doesn't work that way. You want to get players, you got to pay for them. They got money to spend. You can use it to." pay for these players and that's this is how you improve i mean i understand you can't buy a good team however you can buy improvements and then you got some you got two really early picks in the draft you got two picks in the top 40 and one is in the top four you got the fourth pick so you can take a difference maker there james bradbury shores up that secondary a little bit more put him alongside deandre baker coming into a second year, getting a chance to actually get used to everything, get used to the NFL speed, get used to NFL receivers, how they how they run routes. Because route running in the NFL is a little bit different than route running in the in the NCAA because they actually do it. They don't really run routes in the, in college. They just it's you're basically fucking playing five hundred. You guys are just running wild. Um, with the exception of a few. However, the NFL is a lot different, so it gives a, he's got a year under his belt now. So I, I like him on the one side, James Bradbury on the other, and we'll see where that takes us. I, Dave Gettleman gets a lot of gets a lot of flack, and most of it rightfully so. 
However, I think I'm in the minority where I actually like what he's doing um, for the most part. I mean, there's things that I don't like. I don't like I, – I still don't like the trade for uh, – the trade sending away OBJ only because I don't think they got enough for him um, based on what the Texans got for DeAndre Hopkins, though. We did pretty damn well. Uh, but I'll save that for later. Uh, but I don't think they got enough for OBJ. Um, but looking at it now, his value, if the Browns are trading him now is what is being reported. His value is lower now than it was when we sent, when we sold him. So I'd be interested to see what Cleveland gets for him, uh, judged up based off of what he did this past season, which is basically the worst season of his career. Still wasn't bad, but it was the worst of his career. He, he never had a season like this with the Giants. He, he wasn't healthy the whole time, but his per game averages were just beyond better than what he did this year with Cleveland. So I'm interested to see if they get a similar return than what we, what they gave us, then that's telling. If not, then I mean, maybe Gettleman got what he could. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We'll never know unless he actually tells us what the other offers were. Cause you know, there either was other offers or there could have been if he had called around. That was the rumor that he didn't call around, which that would piss me off even more than the fact that he may have not taken the best offer to begin with. Anyway, I like Bradbury. I like Gettleman so far. I like what he's doing. The one knock that I have that's just a verified big-time knock is the Nate Solder contract from last year. That was just horrific. I mean, he is bad. I don't – I'm kind of under the idea that if New England is letting someone leave, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. They're not – they don't let good players go. Unless they have behavioral issues. Unless they had off the field issues. Nate Solder doesn't have those issues. He's, by all counts, a great teammate, a great dude. A, just a good guy to have around the clubhouse or the locker room. And New England let him walk. There's a reason for that. Either A, he's not worth the amount that he's you know fetching in free agency, which is possible. Maybe he was a good player. They thought he was a good player. They just didn't want to pay that much money. New England is known to not pay up for players. They think that they can make do with what they got, and they generally do. But if they're letting him go, there's there's got to be a reason for it. There has to be. I mean, Belichick doesn't let good, good players leave. He doesn't. Not when they're 28. Not when they're playing such an important position. And Dave Edelman jumped on and gave him the highest contract for a left tackle in history. And he was awful this year. I mean, so bad. I mean, it makes you want Eric Flowers back. And Eric Flowers actually just signed a $30 million deal. And we signed Solder for more than that, and he is bad. So that's the one big major knock I have against Gettleman. Other than that, I mean, I'm other than I guess the next knock would be, I don't know if it's if it's real. I don't know. What the extent of it is, it's not public knowledge, but there seems to be a rumbling around the NFL that there's people that don't want to work with him. There's people that don't want to play, players that don't want to play for him, coaches that don't want to coach for him, you know, things of that nature. If that's the case, that's a big issue. I mean, I don't care how good you are. If if there's certain really good coaches that don't want to coach for you, if there's really good players that don't want to play for you, that's a problem. And that's a problem that almost warrants you getting let go. 
because that shouldn't be you shouldn't have have to deal with the situation as a team where you can't get certain players to come because they don't want to play for your GM. If that's the case, then you need to find a new GM. I don't care how good he is. I really don't. Uh, I mean, that's that's walking in Redskins territory where people don't want to go there because they don't want to play for Dan Snyder and coaches don't want to coach for him and players don't trust their training staff, things like that. You're approaching that territory if you have a GM that people don't want to work for. So if that's true, I mean, like I said, I don't know the facts. None of us do unless you're inside the NFL, unless you are Adam Schefter or you are Ian Rappaport. Those guys may know more than they let on, things that they may not be allowed to tell. Generally speaking, they tell everything they hear. But I know there are some hush-hush situations where in order to gain the trust of the players and and you know front office, you have to have some off-the-record conversations. If these happen in off-the-record conversations, they're not going to tell us. However, there are rumblings around you know, insider Twitter that there are people that don't want to work with him. And again, that's a problem. But his scouting ability, um, I'm going to give him a good grade on that. His ability to, to find talent on other teams, to find college talent, he's made it pretty clear that he knows how to do that. And that's big. That's really big. So... And he seems to at least have a plan also. Whereas you see guys like uh, Adam Gase. You see guys like um, the fucking GM in Cleveland. I don't remember the guy's name. Dorsey, I think his name is. You see guys like that. They don't have a plan. They're just signing. They just want star power to come in. Oh, Bruce fucking Allen in Washington. They just want star power to come in don't really have any plan in place. They just like, Hey, look, we're going to get this name. We're going to go get this name. I mean, it's like the Redskins don't do it anymore. Cause no, cause nobody wants to go there. But back in the day, they were always the team where if you're a free agent nearing the end of your career and you want one last major payday, you go to DC because they're going to overpay you for your name. And you can go there and suck as bad as you want. Donovan McNabb, Albert Hainsworth, Deion Sanders. Uh, no. Deion Sanders playing in D.C.? I don't know. i got to look that up. I think Deion Sanders played in D.C., but I could be making that shit up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the thing back in the day. If you if you wanted one last major paycheck, you go to D.C. I don't want that to happen. Oh, yeah, he did play for the rest of it. That was right. Okay. So, yeah, guys like that. I mean, he got paid off his name, and – that's what you did. I don't want to approach that territory. So when you got a GM that nobody wants to play for, you're approaching that territory. So all in all, long story short, I am pleased with what Dave Gettleman's doing. And I know that's not really the, a popular opinion right now among Giants fans. And it wasn't mine in the beginning either. Um, you know, there was some th- – the problem is he started off really bad, really bad. I mean, you couldn't you, you couldn't have started off worse. He started off with the Nate Solder signing and the OBJ trade. Bad, bad, bad. Since then, it has been good. I'm happy. I'm happy with the direction. I'm happy with Daniel Jones. I'm happy with the way the Eli Manning. And another thing that 
doesn't show it's not going to show up on any box score any stat sheet on anything but the way Eli Manning's ending was you know the way his send off went this go around over the last time with fucking Ben McAdoo things are going pretty good and sorry I just got a text um okay so yeah my guest is out that I was supposed to have today that I tease the guest coming in. He's not available. Um, anyway, the, I don't even know what I was talking about. Hmm. Dave Gittleman doing something. The text, sorry, I got a text and it was my guest canceling and it kind of threw me off course. But, um, what Dave Gettleman did, he got off to a really, really bad start. Oh, Eli Manning. How can I forget? The, the send-off for Eli Manning this go-around was so much better. It was handled so much better than the last time. Basically gave him his opportunity. I mean, obviously, if things would have – if it's a perfect world, things would have gone much differently. He could have played 16 games, you know, gone 11-5, and five, took the team to a playoff, maybe a Super Bowl run, maybe not. Either way, maybe win the division, things like that. I don't think it had anything to do with Eli Manning's talent. It's not a talented team. It's not a talented team. So really what they did, I mean, they may have pulled the string a little early. I mean, probably could have let them go five or six games. I mean, at, at the end of the day, what difference does it make? I mean, the, the, the season isn't going anywhere. Might as well let the kid play. Um, it worked out nicely because it gave Eli a chance to come in one more time at the end um, against Miami, get a win, go out with a win at home, call it a day. Um it was nice. It was nice the way it happened. And like I said, that's not going to go in a box score, in a stat sheet. You're not going to see that in the standings. But he needs credit because obviously as a GM working along with the owners, you have a say in how that shit works. And it went really, really smoothly. It was very classy. It was the perfect way for you know an Eli Manning type player to go out. That's big. That's big. In my books, that's that's big for a GM. That's a big check in the pro column, um, along with the, the couple checks in the con column. I mean, there's a lot more in the pros for me. I like the Daniel Jones ad. I like our selection that was, I guess, heavily scrutinized, criticized, whatever you want to call it, that was not a fan favorite, not a popular draft selection. I didn't hate it so much. Um, I mean, you can go back and listen to the teaser of the show, and it sounds like I hated it. Um, I didn't hate it that much. I hated it. What I didn't like about it at the time was that I, I truly believed that they could get him at 17. So I wanted them to take Josh Allen, who was the difference, like the game-breaking edge rusher out of Kentucky. Um, Basically, Isaiah Simmons, the poor man's Isaiah Simmons for this year. Um, I thought they could have got him at six, got Daniel Jones at 17. The more, the, the further along the season went on, it became more clear that Daniel Jones would not have been there at 17. And that would have been a huge, a huge failure if they didn't, if that was the guy that he wanted and they waited and it didn't work out, that would have sucked. So, I mean, it is what it is. Dexter Lawrence was fine. I I don't really 
I'm not that attached to him, but it was fine. I mean, he's good. It's just at 17, you could get someone that makes a bigger difference than Dexter Lawrence. But if they, there's a couple more guys that are available that if they sign one of them, they can make a big difference. But so, yeah, like I'm saying, at the end of the day, I like Edelman. I think he's doing pretty well. And, you know, this James Bradbury signing just adds on to it. And then the next signing came a couple hours later. Blake Martinez, uh, inside linebacker, came out of the Packers. Uh, kind of the same thing. I mean, not it's not sexy. It's not flashy. But it's a good, solid, productive football player. Um, three years in a row, uh, 2016, he led the league in tackles. Or, uh, 2017, led the league in tackles. 2018 and 19, he... Came in second, both years. Um, said 450 tackles. He's averaging 150 tackles for the last three years. And so uh, I know his knock is that he's not great in coverage. He allows a high percentage, uh, completion percentage when he's in coverage. I, I mean, that's not good. But at the end of the day, the guy gets the job done. He's not as athletically gifted as some of these others, as like a Khalil Mack, as a Von Miller. As a Luke Keekly, he's not that type, but he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, and he knows how to get the most out of himself. That's really all you can ask for. I mean, and he's good, and he's a leader. And, I mean, I have a buddy who's a Packers fan who's as big a Packer fan as anybody is a fan of any team in sports and had nothing but good things to say about Blake Martinez. And I trust his opinion. He knows what he's talking about. Obviously, he's not – you know, an NFL insider or, or, or a professional scout, but dude knows what he's watching when he watches games on TV. He's a season ticket holder. He goes to most of the games, knows what he's watching, and basically texted me and told me, hey, you got a good one. That's a good signing. Didn't spend a whole lot of money. I mean, three years, $30 million isn't much for a starting inside linebacker. Um, sign me up. I mean, the dude makes tackles. He can play the run. He's not that great against the pass. But then again, I mean, that's where it goes in line with some of these other guys. You get another linebacker that can cover tight ends. I mean, because that's what he's covering, tight ends and running backs. He's not covering wide receivers. He's not out there covering Amari Cooper. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like you need him to run a 4-4 to keep up. You can find a nickelback to come in and play. You can find an outside linebacker that can specialize in that because – Look, if you take Isaiah Simmons in the draft, that's your edge rushing linebacker. You have your quarterback of the defense linebacker in Blake Martinez, and you can get your linebacker that specializes in in coverage. And look, you got a solid productive unit. That's what you need. You need solid productive. They haven't had solid productive players in so long on defense. They really haven't. I mean, they haven't had a good, solid, smart middle linebacker since Antonio Pierce. And that was 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 2008 or nine, he left. So I think it's big. I, I like it. I mean, everybody wanted Corey Littleton. Um, he was what was supposed to be the star of that caliber of players. Um you know, behind the Jadavion Clowney, uh, Byron Jones, you know, obviously the quarterbacks. He was kind of the premier piece of that second tier of linebackers specifically and just players in general. 
He only went for a couple million dollars more, which ended up looking pretty bad. If you look at their numbers, not that much different. I don't have a huge history on Corey Littleton other than what he did in 2019, but I I don't know. I'm not the guy that's going to sit here say, well, you signed this guy. Well, you should have went and got that guy. Well, you don't really know the situation. There's chance. There's a chance that Corey Littleton had zero interest in playing for the Giants, was never on his radar, doesn't matter how much they offered him, he didn't want to go. Maybe he didn't want to live in New York. Okay, Maybe he didn't want to go to the – the East Coast. I mean, he plays for the Rams, and then now he's playing for the uh, the Raiders. Maybe he didn't want to go to the East Coast. Maybe all of his family's out west, and he was dead set on playing for a west Western team. We don't know. Maybe he has a history with Dave Gettleman, doesn't like Dave Gettleman. We said earlier that there's players that don't like him. That there's certainly Carolina Panthers that don't like him. Maybe he's good friends with Josh Norman. Who knows? But again, maybe there's a chance that he did. He would want to come to New York, but New York, maybe Gettleman likes Martinez better. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you paid $30 million for this guy. Why couldn't you have paid 36 for that guy? Well, maybe they could have. Maybe he didn't want it. Or maybe they actually think Martinez is better. There are people in there that can scout better than I can, that can scout better than fans can, and maybe they think Martinez is better. I don't know. I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm not, you know, running out my house naked because, you know, they just signed fucking Mike Trout in his prime, but I'm happy with it. I think it makes the team better. I think the football team today is better than the football team was, well, they signed yesterday, but I think they're better. I think the football team is better with him than it was without him. Without both of those guys, both of those guys. I mean, and you can say they're just replacing guys they left. Bradbury filling in for Jenkins and Martinez filling in for Ogletree. Sure. I think they're both better than the guys that left. I mean, if you want to say Blake Martinez is limited, Al Ogletree was definitely limited. Janoris Jenkins was a jackass and just had zero heart. So I, you can get the fuck out of here. I don't even care. I don't care how good you are. If you're just going to, certain games you're just going to not play then get the fuck out of town don't want you Bradbury by all accounts doesn't seem like he's going to do that so who knows I mean maybe he's never been a part of a 4-12 and team we'll see what happens now but I don't know I think he's going to do just fine I think they're both improvements and I think the team is better now than it was before so that's what I'm asking for give me a better team than what you had and you know how to make that team real good? Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney. I want him really bad. I think he is the piece that they need. Because the way I look at it, if you sign Clowney, you got Dexter Lawrence in the middle, you got Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle. You got Clowney on one end. Clowney can play outside linebacker too. So he can be that edge rushing linebacker. Or he can be that Russian defensive end. One or the other. Leonard Williams, I want him to be a defensive end. I don't want him to be a tackle. I want him to play on the outside, rush the passer. And I do know that with the Jets, he played in the middle. And there's there's pros to him playing there too, especially if you get a clowny, because Leonard Williams evidently, 
and obviously does not show up on the stat sheet because he plays in the middle. He's not Aaron Donald in the middle. He's, you know, just a regular guy. He's very good. And, but he can make Clowney's job very easy on the outside. If he's in the middle with Dexter Lawrence, just making, you know, three, if they, if they take, you know, the attention off the center and both guards to block those two men, then you got Clowney on one end against the tackle one-on-one and you got X defensive end on the other side one-on-one with the tackle. Give me that matchup every single time. And then there's a possibility that Chase Young falls to you. See, this is the dream scenario. You get Chase Young falls to you at four. You know, Joe Burrow goes one. The Redskins either decide to jump jump ship on Dwayne Haskins, take Tua, or Miami jumps up to two and takes Tua. There's a lot of talk of the Lions really wanting Okuda to shore up the back end. I mean, there's a chance that, I mean, Young and Simmons are basically the two can't miss. There's a chance they take one of them. But my hypothetical is, say, Chase Young is sitting there at four. Say the Giants take Chase Young. Excuse me. Say the Giants get a chance to take Chase Young. You got, and they got Clowney. So this is like the dream scenario. You got Clowney. They got Young. You got Lawrence and, uh, fuck is his name? Tomlinson in the middle. You got Leonard Williams on the outside. On one side, you got Chase Young on the outside on the other side. Linebackers. You got Blake Martinez in the middle. You got Jadavion Clowney on one side rushing the passer. So you got two absolute difference-making, game-changing edge rushers in Chase Young and, and Jadavion Clowney. And you know what the kicker is? You could put them fucking right on top of each other. You could put one behind the other. If you want to put them on different sides, that's fine with me too. But there, you can schematically set your defense up where Chase Young and Jadavion Clowney are standing fucking ass to face. And you're going to make somebody block basically the two of them at the same time. Good luck. Good fucking luck. Or put them on opposite sides and they just cause havoc all over, all over the ends. You leave the middle open. Um, or, and and the, the asterisk here, the what do you want to call it? The Joker. I don't know the term. The kicker here is Leonard Williams. We don't really know how good he is as an edge rusher. He's never really had the opportunity to do it. We know he's capable. He did in college. He became a sixth pick, not because he was a defensive tackle. He became the sixth pick in the draft because he was a, a standout defensive end. There was talks of him being a number one overall pick. There was legitimate conversation for him being the best overall player in that draft. It was 2015. Or 16. One of those two years. There was talk that he was the best overall player in the draft. He ended up dropping to six, and they thought it was a steal for the Jets to get him at six. And they just wasted wasted him by putting him in the middle. I hope the Giants push him out to the end. But the other side of it is you, if you get Clowney and Young, that dream scenario again, you put them both on the line, and they're both on the outside, and you have Williams in the middle. Leonard Williams could make their lives extremely easy. Basically free, making one of them have a guaranteed one-on-one. So we'll see. I mean, if they can get clowny, man. Whew, if they can get clowny, man, the door is open. The door is open for so many so many different things. I really want him, man. He's so good. And his I don't know if it's going to make a difference, but his price could be down a little bit because he had such a down year last year. 
But 16, 17, 18 were all Pro Bowl years. He had nine sacks in every year, at least nine sacks. And, I mean, he is a good, good, good football player. He was a number one, he was a number one overall pick. He was the campus guy. He was the Chase Young of, I don't know the years these guys were drafted. I should know that, but I don't. It doesn't matter that much. But he was the number one overall pick. I know that. And, I mean, he was the Chase Young of his draft. So, I mean, there's a possibility they can get two Chase Youngs. And Leonard Williams was supposed to be the best overall player in his draft. I mean, they could be loaded at defensive line just like they were when they were winning Super Bowls. I mean, how did, how did, how were those Super Bowls constructed? You know, how are they constructed? They had dominating off defensive lines. Secondaries were okay. Linebackers were eh, okay. But they could get after the passer. And that's what mattered. I mean, those defenses were not highly statistically rated. Like, they weren't good, good defenses. They weren't dominating defenses. They were dominating defensive lines. And they were able to mask a lot of the deficiencies in the secondary. So if you get that again, then their secondary now with Bradbury, with hopefully the the evolution of DeAndre Baker, Jabril Peppers, and I mean Blake Martinez, that could be enough to hold the secondary intact while the line eats. Let the line eat. Let them eat, man. They are so hungry. Let them eat. And that's that's kind of where I fall in line with this whole Gettleman thing. I actually think he's going to do the right thing. I like everything that he's doing. I like everybody that he's signing. You can see the plan in place. Um, he knows where the team is at its worst. So he's taking care of the defense. And, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I hope they don't fuck up the draft. I don't think he will. But the only thing that I'm worried about is I'm worried about them falling in love with a tackle which they need, don't get me wrong, but I think that the position is so deep that you can get a tackle in the second round at 36 that you can take either Young or Simmons. The kicker is if Young and if Young goes two, Simmons goes three, then I'm all for either taking a tackle or trading back. Go ahead and trade back. The only problem is there was so much fucking shakeup with the quarterbacks, and I don't know how many teams are going to need to trade up. I mean, Miami might sit at five if if the Redskins don't take Tua. I mean, Tua's probably going to get to five. I mean, Miami will just sit tight. The Chargers are the only ones that might need a quarterback. Are, do they want Tua that bad, or are they content with waiting for Herbert? And there's a possibility that the top ten are just going to stay the fuck where they are. And... Burrow goes one to Cincinnati, Young goes two to Washington, Simmons goes three to Detroit, and then the Giants don't really have any legitimate, serious trade partners that are going to give you some serious draft capital, so you may, may end up taking a tackle there. We'll see. It's exciting. I'm, I can't wait for this draft. It's going to be so much fun. Once this draft is done, we can actually talk about the season and you know get ready, figure out what exactly – they need, I mean, the plan will be in place. They'll know what they have and who they need to get, whether or not they need to find a wide receiver or just kind of sit tight and plan for 2021. We'll see. I'm excited. It's exciting times. Um, so, yeah, let me take a quick little break. 
I'm going to come back and we're going to talk the rest of the NFL. Thank you for letting me take that break. I'm sorry if you heard me take a sip of my drink because I didn't really have a chance to hit mute on the microphone. Actually, I forgot. But anyway, welcome back. Um, I just There's a few pieces that I want to talk about regarding the rest of the NFL. Um, some of the bigger news, uh, basically the quarterbacks. I want to talk about some of the quarterbacks because some of these quarterbacks are going to some weird-ass teams and I don't fucking understand it. Dak Prescott. Um, he was tagged by the Cowboys. He's going to stay a Cowboy. It seems like they may figure out a way to keep Zeke, Cooper, and Dak all together. I thought for sure they were going to lose at least one of them, which I figured would be Cooper. But it looks like they're going to be able to keep all three. That's not good for Cowboys or for Giants fans because I think they're all good. Um, I think Zeke is a little bit overrated um, of the bunch. I think he benefited highly from a – dominating offensive line his first couple years and now that his offensive line is kind of coming back to the pack he's not as dominant and statistically ridiculous as he was I mean he's kind of I mean he's still good don't get me wrong he's not bad but I don't think he's like in talks of being Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley he's not that kind of talent he's more along the lines of Nick Chubb uh Todd Gurley uh, Melvin Gordon, he's like in that category. Joe Mixon, he's with those guys. Nothing wrong with it. Still good. I think he's a little overrated. Keeping Dak and Cooper is big. Michael Gallup's on the up and up. Um, that offense scares me. So let's get defense solidified to attack that team because that's they're the best team in the division and they got the best offense in the division. So I that was the obvious. Uh, then obviously there's some shakeup. Um, Philip Rivers is going to the Colts, one year, twenty five million. I find that to be very odd because I don't think Philip Rivers is any good anymore. He wasn't that great last year, and the Colts may actually be the one team in the NFL that can say they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl championship team. Literally, they could if Andrew Luck had played last year. If he didn't retire, they would have been legitimate Super Bowl candidates. Like it would have been a legitimate conversation to make to say because of their defense, their consistency, the, the fact that their team, overall team, is just so good. Their defense is good. Their offense is good. Their special teams is good. Their coaching is good. Their quarterback is good. That they could be the team that could have handled the Chiefs because they had the defense to keep the to score as low as you can get with the Chiefs offense. You know, keep them to 31 instead of 47. And, you know, beat them 34-31, something like that. I thought it would have made a lot more sense for Tom Brady to go there if he was going to leave. I know the whole Peyton Manning situation would make it kind of funny, would make it kind of weird if, you know, he went to Indianapolis and won a Super Bowl. I mean, how much can fans really embrace that? How much would he want that to be on? I mean, I know he wants to win a Super Bowl where the fuck he goes. He doesn't really care that much. But Indianapolis, of all places, there's like there's basically two teams that he can't go to. He cannot go to Indianapolis, 
and he cannot come to the Giants. Those are the two. He cannot go to those teams. But it would have made the most sense for him because they are the most fit to win a Super Bowl with a good quarterback. Philip Rivers going there just seems weird. I don't really see that as that much of an upgrade to Jacoby Brissett. And there's nothing wrong with Brissett. He's not bad. And they signed him to a three-year deal last year. I know that was a panic move because Andrew Luck retired in spring training. Spring training. I'm so hooked in baseball, man. In training camp, preseason. Actually, it was after training camp. It was preseason. He retired just out of the blue. Um, So there was a panic move. They said, we have to make sure this guy wants to be here. So they paid him probably with the anticipation of trading him the next year because they knew how many quarterbacks were going to be available. But it's just weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it makes them any better. And it's weird for him. I mean, because that whole – so there's that quartet of quarterbacks. There's uh, Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, and then Rivers to a lesser extent because he never actually won anything. Those four guys can't trade teams. Like that was the AFC for 20 years was Brady and the Patriots, Manning and the Colts. Uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers, Rivers and the Chargers. You can't, I mean, I know Peyton went to the Broncos, which was, it was weird. He ended up, you know, accepting it and embracing it, but it was weird at the time. But those those teams, you, like he couldn't have left to go to the Chargers. He couldn't have left to go to the Steelers or the Patriots. He couldn't have done that. It, was, it would have been weird. It's just weird seeing Philip Rivers possibly wearing a Colts jersey. Absolutely wearing a Colts jersey. We just haven't seen it yet. You know what's even more weird? Tom Brady going to the Bucks. The Bucks. Why? I mean, is it just because you want to live in Florida? I don't know. I think Miami would have made more sense. What, Tampa? I think that's odd. Um, it's going to be really weird. He's also going to a team that has the ugliest jersey in the sport, which is going to make it even more weird to see him in that jersey. I, I just I don't I don't understand it. He's one of those guys. I mean, I'm not like a Patriot fan. I don't dislike the Patriots like everybody else. I'm pretty indifferent when they're in the Super Bowl. I tend to root for them depending on who they're playing against because I like seeing greatness and I think they are great. I think Tom Brady is great. I think Bill Belichick is great. I like seeing that. I like seeing people add up rings rather than I'm I'm not the guy to vote for or to root for the underdog. That's just not me. I don't, I, I'm a big golf fan. I don't like seeing first time major winners. That's just not interesting to me. I know it's interesting to a lot of fans that like seeing that. Oh, he's never won one. No, I want to see Tiger win 16. I want to see Rory win five. I don't want to see, you know, X fucking player that came out of nowhere, win one and then never to be seen again. I don't like that. So I tend to pull for the Patriots, especially against like the Rams, the Eagles, uh, who else did they play? The Seahawks, you know, teams like that. I want to, I want them to win the Falcons. I want them to win those games. I, I think Brady should retire a Patriot. I don't know. I mean, he's 43 years old, man. How much more? Like you weren't that good last year. Like, what do you think you have to prove? You don't have to prove anything. And if you're going to prove something, you ain't going to prove it with the Bucks. I mean, they suck. I mean, they don't suck. I mean, they're not that bad. But, like, does anybody think he's going to win a Super Bowl there? Does anybody think he's going to beat the 49ers? Does anybody think he's going to beat the Packers? 
don't know, the Vikings, the Saints, can even beat the Falcons. I mean, I just don't see it. I don't see him even getting to the playoffs. I don't, because he's not going to win the division. He's not going to beat the Saints. I mean, they're not going to, I mean, Drew Brees is going to beat him twice. I, I just think it's weird. I think it's really weird. And then what? And then right before I hopped on here, I saw a tweet that said that the Bucks aren't out of the out of play for Todd Gurley. I mean, things are just getting weird down there. I mean, Bruce Arians doesn't even use running backs, and he wants to get Todd Gurley for what? So he can sit on the bench for you too. He sat on the bench for Sean McVay. Might as well sit on the bench for Bruce Arians too. What difference does it make where you're playing? He's going to get a lot of money to do nothing. Tom Brady doesn't even know how to use his running backs. Tom Brady doesn't even know how to use his big receivers. You know who's going to benefit from Tom Brady? O.J. Howard. Cameron Bray. The offensive line because he throws the ball so quick. You know who's not going to benefit? Mike Evans, who likes to get down the field. Chris Godwin, who likes to get down the field. Todd Gurley, who can't outrun anybody. (laughs) He's not going to benefit from anybody, but... I, I just don't – it's weird. It's just I, I keep harping on it. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Um, Drew Brees, as I mentioned, staying put in New Orleans. Fitting. He needs to. He signed a two-year deal worth $50 million, Play those two years. Try to get a Super Bowl. Retire. Like, just get them two years in. Go further. Uh distancing yourself from the next in line for yards and touchdowns, which will be Brady. I don't know if Brady's trying to keep up with them and thinks that, you know, if I play with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, I can catch up to Breeze. Well, Drew Brees playing with Mike Thomas, so he ain't catching him. And and as of right now, Drew Brees is better physically. He's a better football player at the moment. He's a better quarterback at the moment. You can say Father Time hasn't caught up to Tom Brady physically. It has caught up to him athletically. He's in great shape. He's in great physical shape. He's not the quarterback that he was five years ago, three years ago. So father time is catching up to him in in one way or another. Drew Brees is better. Drew Brees is going to distance himself. Drew Brees has a legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. So play those two years, call it a career. It was a hell of a career. And you couldn't have benefited any more from a trade than being traded out of San Diego at the time to New Orleans. I mean, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to him in his career. So kudos to you. He got his Super Bowl. And, you know, try to win another. If not, play your two years, call it a career, and ride off into the sunset as one of the five best to ever do it. All right. Carolina, about 15 minutes after telling everybody that uh, Cam Newton was permitted to seek a trade which cam newton wanted to make quite clear that he didn't want to leave i don't know if he's trying to save face with his fans or what but made it very obvious that he didn't want to leave carolina wanted him to leave can't under can't knock him for that i mean the guy's a pain in the ass and gets hurt often then within i mean it couldn't have been within 30 minutes of them making the announcement there was another announcement that they signed teddy bridgewater I don't I know a lot of people want to see Bridgewater succeed because he is an awesome guy. 
He's an awesome dude. He's a great teammate. I mean, he sat, he fought back from his injury, lost his job when he was hurt, signed with the team, knowing he was going to be the backup because he's not going to take Drew Brees' job. Played a couple games when Brees was hurt and sat for the playoffs, played a couple games, played well. I mean, he's obviously healthy. It's been three years since his ACL surgery. He's obviously healthy. He got his opportunity. Now, I just, even like when he, before he got hurt, he's not that good. I mean, he's good, but he's not like a difference maker for your team. He's he's Alex Smith with nothing, no no difference. He's Alex Smith. He can run a little bit. He's accurate. He doesn't really take a whole lot of risks. He's going to game manage his way. I mean, that's a good team for him to manage on. Um, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really move the needle for me any which way. It's kind of whatever. I would have rather seen them draft somebody and try to take a 22-year-old that can probably do the same exact thing. But we'll see. I mean, good for him. I mean, he put in his he put in his time. He he you know put in the time and effort it needed for him to get this opportunity. I mean, he sat on the bench for two years behind Drew Brees. He recovered from his injury, lost his job in Minnesota. I I mean, he did his time. So good for him. I just don't see it making the Panthers any better. I mean, it's better than Kyle Allen Panthers, but it's not better than the Cam Newton Panthers when Cam was healthy. I mean, Bridgewater is not better than Cam when Cam's healthy. He's not. Not really that close to me. But whatever. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Bengals are trying to shop Andy Dalton because everybody and their mother knows that they're taking Joe Burrow, number one overall in the draft. So... I mean, no suitors yet. Jacksonville's trying to move on from Nick Foles. You know, kind of ho-hum. Nick Foles can't play anywhere except Philadelphia, so he's going to sign a big deal. He's going to get cut. He's going to go to Philadelphia, win a Super Bowl, get cut, signed a big deal, suck. I mean, that's just kind of the circle of life for Nick Foles. Suck everywhere. Win a Super Bowl in a contract year, get paid big money. Go somewhere else, suck. Before, when Mike Vick got hurt, Nick Foles came in, played well. Started, they won. They won like whatever he did, thirteen and two was a starter, or some shit like that. Through that one year, he threw I think twenty-seven touchdowns and two picks. Before he left to go to the Rams, I think back like I don't know six, five years ago or so. Sucked there, got cut, signed with the Eagles. Obviously, took them to the Super Bowl. Didn't get cut, just didn't get re-signed. His contract was up, signed with somebody else, and he sucked. Lost his job. Got hurt week one, Minshew took over, and lost his job. So, it is what it is. Uh, Before I sign off, the one last thing I do want to talk about is that awful trade. So, when the trade first happened, I'm just going to call it the trade for now. When the trade first happened, I was really excited. I thought it was a great move by the by the Texans, bringing in David Johnson. I thought that was huge. Um, he basically lost his job to Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Kenyon Drake, the ultimate get me out of Adam Gase's system and I'll show you how fucking good I am. He's very good. David Johnson lost his job. He couldn't stay healthy, so he lost his job. Sent him to Houston. I mean, that's the perfect spot for him. The absolute perfect spot. And I was so happy because they only showed the one side of the trade at first. 
the report was, you know, David Johnson's going to Houston. Didn't say what was coming back. Didn't really care. Um, the fantasy side of me was really excited for David Johnson in Houston. Thought it was perfect to play alongside Deshaun Watson. The team had DeAndre Hopkins to kind of distract everybody from what was going on in the backfield because everybody's so f- worried about what Hopkins is doing downfield. Thought it was perfect. Then about 30 minutes later, you find out the guy going the other way is DeAndre Hopkins. And the kicker is they also sent the pick. So Houston sent DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in the game, besides maybe Michael Thomas, sent him and a fourth-round pick to David Johnson, who's a broken-down 30-year-old running back, and a four to Houston. Trade don't look so good anymore. Trade looks like Arizona literally held the man, held Bill O'Brien at gunpoint and said, give me Hopkins or I will kill you. I mean, I don't know how else this trade could have happened. There had to have been some kind of death threat. Or had to have been. Or maybe Bill O'Brien slept with somebody's wife in the Cardinals organization. And to keep quiet, he said, look, I won't tell anybody. Just give me, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe someone in Arizona slept with Bill O'Brien's wife. And he said, look, no, it couldn't work that way. It had to be the first way. Bill O'Brien must have slept with somebody. It wasn't. And he said, I won't out you. I won't kill you unless you give me DeAndre Hopkins. And he said, sure. There's no other way that could have happened. Ignore all of my analogies. I don't really know what I'm talking about. It's kind of late. And I'm on day six of coronavirus quarantine, so I'm losing my mind, and there's nothing to watch on TV. Anyway, something must have happened behind the scenes because there is no way he would send DeAndre Hopkins at a fourth-round pick to Houston or to Arizona for David Johnson and a two. I mean, it's just absurd. I couldn't, couldn't effing believe it when I saw the entire trade. I was so happy for Houston. I was so happy for them. I mean, getting David Johnson was a big deal for them. But now you lose DeAndre Hopkins, and then what? And then what? Now, like, you just went from a team that, you know, was playing in the second, third round of the playoffs to now you suck. Like, now you are bad. You lost Clowney, you lost Hopkins, you lost DJ Reader, and you brought back David Johnson, who I like in your system. You have a bad offensive line. So David Johnson, I liked him there as a pass catcher more than a running back. Without DeAndre Hopkins, he's your best receiver? Useless. Completely useless. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. That was absurd. I saw a tweet, an amazing tweet. I don't remember who tweeted it, so sorry that I'm not going to quote. I'm not going to cite you on this, but it said, "This is the type of trades that disband fantasy leagues." Literally, this trade if this trade happened in a fantasy league, everybody would be fighting, talking about collusion, seeing who was cheating, who wasn't, and the whole thing would shut down. And this just happened like it was nothing. I mean, it was absolutely absurd. I mean, the Cowboys got Amari Cooper for a first round pick. Amari Cooper fetched a first-round pick. Brandon Cooks was traded for a first-round pick twice. And DeAndre Hopkins was traded for a second. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the two best players at his position in the sport. And one of probably the one of 15 best players in the sport altogether. I mean, there are many players that are better than him. You know who benefited the most from this? 
Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to be a star. I mean, you, you give him, he's got Kenny and Drake for a full season. He's got DeAndre Hopkins now. Yeah, yeah Kyler, Kyler Murray seasoned if you play fantasy. Sign up wherever you can for your Kyler Murray stocks. Yeah, I mean, that's all the crazy shit that went down. I mean, nothing else too out of the ordinary. Um, I thought it was a little weird that the Bengals tagged A.J. Green, but no, it is what it is, whatever. I mean, I don't know if he wants to be there or not, but he's at least going to be there for another year unless they trade him. Um, Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo, pretty big. Um, gives Josh Allen like his real number one threat, um, I think. And with Tom Brady leaving that division, I mean, Buffalo's the team to beat now. I mean, Buffalo, I can see an easy path for them to win 11, 12 games next year. I mean, the Jets aren't going to be any better. The Dolphins are going to be a little bit better, but they're going to probably go through some growing pains of a, a shitload of new players that they just signed in free agency and possibly grooming a new quarterback. Or, I mean, pretty much all the veterans are gone. I mean, I guess you can get Cam or trade for a Folds or Dalton, but I don't really see why they would do that when they can get a quarterback in the draft. So just hang on to Fitzpatrick for one more year and draft somebody and groom him up. Let Tua get healthy. And then they might be good next year, but we'll see. Um, and New England, huge wild card. Nobody knows what they're going to do. Nobody knows who their quarterback's going to be. Are they going to draft somebody? Are they going to trade? I mean, I can see them trading for someone like Andy Dalton. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's Buffalo's division now. It's it's about time that I mean, like I said, I enjoyed watching New England do what New England did, but it is about time that those other teams actually have an opportunity because they didn't even have a chance before. So, I mean, and as of right now, I mean, I see Buffalo becoming that dynasty in that division. Not on a Super Bowl caliber level, but you know, winning the East, you know, the next 4 years, I can see it. I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback in that division. Uh, I think they have the best defense in that division. That's just, I mean, Stephon Diggs, they got probably the best receiver in that division right now. So I think it's their division right now. And I think that's pretty cool. Good for them. I mean, that, that fan base has been waiting a long time for something like this. I mean, they sat through four straight Super Bowl losses. I mean, they deserve some joy. So good for them. One of them was at the hands of our boys, Big Blue, here at the Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast.